I had my children on the floor. I was on my favorite blanket that my grandmother gave me on the floor like a cat. And I realized in that moment the potential of what our bodies can really do as women. Like I could feel his head, I could do my own internal, like yeah, his head, I could feel it. I was in tears, I was just in tears and overwhelmed with gratitude. Hi and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast, the podcast that is bringing embodied birth wisdom from women from all over the world sharing their natural birth stories. Don't forget to subscribe and download so that you can always have access to these empowering and positive natural birth stories. Hi, my name is Anna, also known as the Spiritual Midwife, and I am the Natural Birth Podcast host. I'm a midwife and a childbirth educator, and I work with women worldwide, assisting them in having an empowering and natural birth experience, and to truly claim their birth as a rite of passage. I offer online one-on-one sessions, packages and online courses for the conscious mamas who don't want to leave their birth up to chance. If you want to know more about me and what I do in the world, then please visit me at thenaturalbirthcourse.com or connect with me on Instagram as the underscore spiritual underscore midwife. Now, if you love this podcast, then please consider taking a moment right now and leave a review. They mean the world to me and is also your way of helping me reach more women around the world with these natural and empowering birth stories. Together, we are changing the birth narrative one birth story at a time. Today on the Natural Birth Podcast, we have Emily. Emily is a 37-year-old first-time mama from Maine, USA. She believes in the power of our body's innate intelligence and taking responsibility for how we show up. Emily spent nearly two decades working within the Western medical system as a registered nurse and perfected the art of advocating for patients' rights. She fought fiercely for her patients to have informed consent and deeply respect all informed choices. Maine was one of the strictest states during the COVID pandemic with vaccine mandates. She started a coalition for healthcare workers against medical mandates with over 4,000 members and let her job go along with many others when the COVID vaccine was mandated for all healthcare workers. She fell pregnant just a few months after that and found a midwife through the medical freedom community. Personal autonomy and bodily integrity are integral parts of who Emily is and how she leads her life, leading to a natural and empowering birth. Her heart's desire was to catch her own baby in the safety of her own home, and so she did. Curious about Emily? Find her on Instagram as Emily Grace Nixon. So podcast family, we are in December, which is the month with the most scheduled inductions and cesareans of the year. No surprise here. If you are due over the holidays, then please don't feel pressured into an early induction. 
If you need support and someone in your corner, I'm here to assist you and be your fierce natural birth advocate. I will be on call all of December for any mamas finding themselves in this situation. So you can book in a one-on-one session wherever you are in the world with me if you want some support and guidance in holding your ground and having your natural physiological birth. And remember that you can access the free PDF download of all the routine hospital birth procedures in my blog. And you will find the links to the blog, to the one-on-one sessions, and to all my free resources in the show notes. Hi, Emily, and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast. How are you today? Hi, Anna. I'm doing so well. I'm so happy to be here. I just want to really seriously thank you so much for setting this container and allowing women to tell their stories. It's so, so, so meaningful. It helped me so much throughout my pregnancy. Oh, thank you for sharing that. It's a pleasure. It um, gives me so much joy to have so many mamas who've listened to the podcast actually come on it. It's, it's lovely. I think it's like half of everyone who comes on is actually someone who listened through their pregnancy and, yeah. and then really <clears throat> wants to con- contribute to the narrative. And, and it's yeah. just beautiful, beautiful to have yeah. 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 So today we're going to hear about the birth you had just seven weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a fresh postpartum mama, but I'm I'm so happy to finally tell the whole story in full. Um, I'll start at the very beginning, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us the story. Okay. So, um, yeah, um, I'm I was what they call a geriatric mama, right? So I'm 37 now. I was 36 <laughs> when I got pregnant. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're old. I, uh, I definitely don't subscribe to that language, but you know, in in that that world, um, I was in, in fact called a geriatric mama. Um, now, back background background. I am a registered nurse, and I've worked in the Western medical uh, uh, system for. 18 years, 13 as a registered nurse. And it's been about a decade that I've been doing my own studies on like, you know, natural health, innate intelligence, exercise, meditation, mindset, you know, all of the things that actually give a person health and taking full responsibility for my body, how I show up and, um, and therefore, you know, being a healthy person. So with the way of the world, um, recent events, you know, several years ago, things went a little haywire. And um, especially here in the state that I live in, in Maine, um, they were pretty harsh with the mandates and the lockdowns and everything. And so I very quickly found a group of people that um, were advocating for medical freedom. And uh, that's where I met my partner in January. It was early, early in the year, January, 2021, maybe February. And we were working together on projects um, to try and gather more folks to, you know, advocate for medical freedom. And um, it was August of that year that the governor of the state of Maine decided that she was going to mandate the COVID vaccine for all healthcare workers. Mm. And I, I, I mean, I was like, oh no, this is not okay. So with the help of many other amazing minds, I started a coalition for healthcare workers against medical mandates. 
and we we got up to like 4,000 members and it was quite something. We had a lawsuit and everything, um, but I won't get into that. All I want to say is my life was in a crazy, tumultuous place. Um, I let my job go because there was no way that I was going to um, go against, you know, my beliefs about informed consent and yeah. personal autonomy, bodily integrity. These things are integral to who I am as a human and mm. also why I chose a natural birth, of course. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so I, I let my job go in October of 2021. And earlier on, I mean, just a, another little backtrack side, as I've been over the years, you know, I'm 36, like I said, I've had times where I felt like, oh, maybe I want children, maybe I don't, you know, but I never attached myself to it. Like it's something I needed to have in order to have happiness. I just, I felt that, you know, if the partner was right, if the time was right, yeah, like I will embrace that, but it wasn't something that I needed. And I had started about a year prior to when I be became pregnant, feeling that little niggle of oh, you know what? I, I do want to be a mama. Like, am I going to be a mama? You know, I'm just starting to feel time really moving a little quick, more quickly. And um, so once my partner and I were together and I, I gave my job up, so that's October, September, September, October, November, those months, I had this intuition to just start taking certain herbs like nettle, and I started taking beef liver and I started taking a bunch of methylated B vitamins. And I just like felt the need to nourish my body in this way. And I started having these signs of pregnancy every single month, <laughs> my boobs would swell. And I just like started feeling like very fertile, which, you know, I mean, I say our pregnancy was unplanned, but it was definitely not a surprise, at least to me. <laughs> so um, we ended up conceiving on the winter solstice, December 21st. And, you know, I'm very certain of that date. Um, I didn't actually take a pregnancy test and find out I was pregnant until the 10th of January. Um, and again, when I saw the positive, I was like, you know, oh my God, like all the feelings came up, but also just not surprised at all. Um, I told my partner the next day, January 11th, and we had so much going on. And I, and I also won't get into all of that, but um, it was a very, very tumultuous beginning to this pregnancy. And, and I'll go into that just a little bit. So on the 15th of January, just, you know, five days after finding out I was pregnant, I started bleeding very, very, very heavily. And it was mm -hmm. bright red. And, you know, as a nurse, blood doesn't scare me, but I was like, this is, this is a lot of blood. And I stopped feeling pregnant. Like all of the sensations of pregnancy just left me. And How I had many already, weeks by you now? so I was only four days late on my period on the 10th and this was the 15th. So mm. what's that? Just yeah. not yeah. many weeks. No, no. Um, but in the time that I found out I was pregnant before I started bleeding, I had already set up five different interviews with midwives across the state because that's how I am. <laughs> I am. I like to be prepared. I like to have all everything set up. So um, once I started bleeding and I thought, you know, I really don't feel pregnant anymore. I'm pretty sure this is not happening. Um, I emailed them all and I was like, listen, I think we need to cancel our appointments. I'm pretty sure I'm not pregnant anymore. Mm. 
Well, one midwife named Sarah called me and left me this precious voicemail. And she just said, you know, hey, Emily, I'm so sorry to hear this. Um, Maybe you just want to come in and get some blood work checked just in case, you know, you want to get pregnant in the future. We could find out what's going on. And I thought, you know what, that sounds perfectly reasonable. And I, I could use a little support right now. So I went in to see Sarah. She's also a naturopath. Um, she's amazing. I love her so much. Um, and we did some blood work. We checked my progesterone and the HCG. And it turned out that the HCG was actually uh, elevated and my progesterone was low. So we rechecked the HCG and it continued to trend up. And the progesterone, she gave me a supplement and I decided I would put a little, do a little bit intravaginally um, progesterone just because it was pretty low. Um, she assured me that if, if this pregnancy was to be terminated naturally, like it would, regardless of whether I took the progesterone or not. So, um, so at that point, again, we had yo-yoed, like, am I pregnant? Am I not pregnant? Am I pregnant? Am I not pregnant? And we still weren't 100% sure just because the HCG was like borderline. So I agreed to go in for an ultrasound. Um, Can I just ask another thing? Because I'm curious. Of course. When you said that you bled, did you bleed like a full bleed, like your period bleed, like for days? Or was it just for one day? Or what was the bleed like? Yeah, it was a couple of days. And when it started, it like poured out of me and it was bright red. It was thick. I swear I saw some tissue. I mean, I even gathered some of it and took it outside and gave it back Mm. to the earth. Like I really felt that, that this pregnancy Mm. was over. Mm. It was quite a lot. Mm. Just curious to know for anyone listening as well, just, you know, Mm -hmm. how different we are, you know, and how, I mean, I'm curious to hear more about your story, obviously, but I mean, some women will have bleeds throughout their pregnancy. Yep. You know, um, there can be different never, reasons um, why you yeah. bleed. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I did get the ultrasound. I was um, seven weeks at the time we did that. And it confirmed we had a little heartbeat with a little peanut in there. Um, that's what she called it. So that's why I'm calling it that. You got a little peanut, um, which was huge because it was like, okay, this is real. It's happening. Um, and then the next day I got a call from Sarah saying, Hey, you know, that ultrasound, it showed your yolk sac was pretty abnormal. Um, you had a pretty big subchorionic hemorrhage. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this pregnancy, it, it may be still on its way out. You know, we don't know. I I think you should go back and get another ultrasound to check the progress. If you want, you know, she left it totally my choice. Like, do you want to do it? That's what I would recommend. And, um, at that point, I, I was just sort of feeling like pretty frazzled because there was so much going on between my partner and I and this, am I pregnant? Am I not pregnant? Is it going to stay? Is it not going to stay? So I decided to go back for another ultrasound. Um, it was about a week later. Um, and that ultrasound showed that the subchorionic hemorrhage was um, resolving, that the yolk sac was normal but that it was a possible right corneal pregnancy, meaning it was over and the right side of my uterus up by my fallopian tube in the horn, which can be an emergency surgery situation. Because if that little baby grows too much, it can rupture um, those tissues and, you know, then you're in deep trouble. 
So I get this call from Sarah again saying, Emily, I'm so sorry. This is what they found. I need you to go right away to get another ultrasound (laughs) to make sure everything's okay. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And I, I had been feeling like little twinges over here. It felt nothing more on my right side than like, you know, sometimes when you ovulate, you know, you're over, you can feel it. But of course, then your mind starts wondering like, okay, am I, is that, is this a problem? So I went in to have my third ultrasound and I was only nine, barely nine weeks at this time. Um, And Sarah and I both are very aware of ultrasounds being potentially harmful, especially at such an early stage of pregnancy. And it was not neither of our plans to have any of this happen, but you can see the escalation of why. Definitely. And I mean, it can be to have what you had or an ectopic pregnancy, which is, you know, in the tubes or just mm-hmm. not in the in the womb I mean yeah that can be a, it will be an emergency they become yeah older. so this ultrasound they were it was lovely she only had the wand in me for literally like one minute and she was like Emily everything is perfect he's exactly mm-hmm. where he needs to be everything looks perfect you're good to go and I was like okay okay I'm, I'm taking that I received that here we go And so from there, from then on, like, I, I mean, I had already started listening to so many different podcasts, um, the natural birth, you know, free birth, all kinds of beautiful, wonderful, warm, yummy stories about just tuning in intuition. Um, I didn't necessarily feel the need to do like a full on wild pregnancy. Um, I very much am so grateful for wise women, especially Mm -hmm. like Sarah, you know, someone that's walked the path that can, you know, be there, especially someone who fully, fully honors informed consent and, you know, Mm -hmm. right to refuse and that sort of thing. So I was happy to have her. Um, But by 14 weeks, I had already written up a, basically a free birth plan and sent it to her. And I was like, now, is this something that you can do? Like, will you be able as a licensed midwife to just stand by? Like, let's talk about where your state recommend your state um, requirements and my desires, like where they meet and how we can mm. make this um, safe for us both. And so we had that conversation from very early on. Um, in my pregnancy. And basically she was just very straightforward about, you know, I'm a licensed midwife, you know, doing fetal heart tones, checking vitals, blah, blah, blah. Like we have these certain um, parameters that we need to take, you know, everything is of course at um, my discretion at that time. And, you know, I believe in your right to informed consent, right to refuse, et cetera, et cetera. So we decided to move forward. Um, I did also, just because she doesn't take my insurance, I did have another set of midwives that I was was seeing just to have my blood work paid for, some blood work that I wanted. Um, But they required me to get that 20-week ultrasound in order for me to continue care with them. And um, I had asked, you know, will you guys perhaps like share care with Sarah. Like I could do one appointment with you, one appointment with um, them. And then you guys can share notes. Like, is that something, is that possible? And they straight up, they said to me, no, that's not going to work because then one of us wouldn't fully own you. (gasps) She used that phrase. 
they wouldn't own you. And I mean, I stopped her. I said, well, no one is going to own me. I, I own my pregnancy. You know, I take responsibility for this birth and and for my body and for this baby. And so I very politely fired them at that point (laughs) and, um, Mm -hmm. and moved on. But it was all good. I didn't feel any need to have any further um, ultrasounds. Um, and just on the tune of, you know, all the testing, the pre prenatal testing, um, Sarah allows us to do what she calls the trucker special. It's basically just like pancakes and syrup and, uh, you know, a little protein and some orange juice. Um, if we want to do that, to, to have her blood sugar checked, um, she checks like your thyroid and just a few other little things if you want. And, um, and I did some of it and all was well. Um, I also, uh, have to give a shout out to chiropractic because I did that, um, two to three times a week, almost every single week throughout my pregnancy. It was so helpful because man, our bodies change so fast mm-hmm. and the hips and the back and the, all the things and just helping me to, you know, stay, um, stay in the flow with things. It was super, super, super helpful. I also saw a pelvic floor physical therapist, um, towards the end, we had just a couple of, um, appointments and she's more energetic. Um, we also did this beautiful, uh, birth portal opening, um, meditation right at my 37 weeks. And, um, and as I was in that meditation with her, we're going through it. And as I'm visioning, it just felt like the most normal, natural thing. Like I had done it a million times before Mm. when I was visualizing the birth and, and my baby, he just, he was so cool, so calm. And he's just like, yeah, it's all good, mama. Like you do what you got to do, but I know it's all good. And I just, that was the sense that I had from him and um, also visioning myself um, during the birth. And I had listened. I did the math on a, because I, I wasn't necessarily working as a nurse. I, I was doing some work in real estate, but I wasn't really working. I had a lot of space. Um, I allowed myself a lot of space for this pregnancy, but I did the math and I did about a thousand hours of research, listening to podcasts, reading books, all of the things. Like I completely immersed myself in the positive stories. And also there's this beautiful portal that opens once one becomes pregnant, if you allow it. Um, But I met so many beautiful mamas that were home birthing and just, you know, expanded into the the community here, um, whether it was through podcasts or whether it was right here, like my prenatal yoga class or just friends um, that came across. So I felt very, very supported. Um, yeah, so 37 weeks came and I was ready. I mean, that week to me, I mean, I was so ready. Like, let's go. I'm ready to take this test. Let's do it. <laughs> and then I started feeling some anxiety creep in, some fear, and I embraced that too because it is fully part of the process. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's not to be pushed down. It's it's to be welcome to the table. You are welcome here, fear. So, um, yeah, I worked through that, held space for that, and um, and I just waited. 
I didn't have, I did, I, you know, one of the pearls of wisdom that so many women have said um, throughout is you don't, don't put a time frame on things, you know, mm-hmm. birth comes when it comes. And, and I just, that's what I allowed. And I, you know, it's going to come when it comes. We, I knew I had a full moon <laughs> on the 10th and I knew I had equal day and night on the 26th of September. And I was due technically um, on the 15th. So anytime I was asked, I said, sometime in September, (laughs) he's due the month of September. Um, So let's see, Wednesday, the 7th of September, I had a chiropractic adjustment and some beautiful photos taken of me out in our backyard. Um, Thursday, the 8th, I woke up with this beautiful surge of energy felt beautiful. I feel like I had more energy than I did like the entire pregnancy, which I had a ton of fatigue this pregnancy, like so much. I just had to rest, 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 which I'll go into why I think that happened um, at the end here. Um, But once I finally surrendered into not only my physical need to rest, but also that divine feminine energy that is receive, 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 receive. (laughs) It was so much sweeter. Um, yes. But anyway, this day, um, Thursday, the eighth, I had so much energy and I went and I hung out with some of my new mama friends. We hiked up this little mountain, not very, not very long, like 25 minutes, but it's still uphill. Um, hung out with them in the sunshine, just shared beautiful moments, came home, we had a huge pile of firewood that had gotten delivered and here I am stacking firewood. <laughs> um, and the next morning I woke up and had some cramps, had some surges, um, woke up around three 30 in the morning, felt some waves, didn't get too excited, but definitely took note, you know, as a nurse, I can't help, but not like track them on my app and just like keep notes and whatever. Um, but they subsided around 3 PM. Um, I was starting to get into that birth portal further. Like I was feeling a little spacey. I was losing words, definitely losing time. Um, but we had an appointment with my midwife that evening. And so we went to see her and she asked me how I was feeling. I said, I'm feeling different. And I had done just like a little cervical check earlier on. And I could tell things were getting softer, looser. There was some mucus, not the plug, but, you know, I could tell things were changing. Um, So I let her know and still didn't put too much um, weight to it. Um, But that that was the full moon that, um, that night it was actually at, um, I think it was like five thirty-eight. Yes. On the 10th. So Friday, the 10th, I woke up around three 30 again. Um, I looked at my clock it was actually three 23. I remember exactly. And I started having some surges and this time they, it was just a little bit more like enough to where I didn't really want to go back to sleep. Um, so I got up, my partner was sleeping. I got up and just walked around the house, went outside, looked at the moon, looked at the stars, just thought, oh, maybe today could be the day, but still not putting any pressure. <laughs> I ran myself a bath. Um, I took some crystals down into the bath with me, some Epsom salts, some candles, 
and played my music, listened to my birth affirmations, just, just said, Hey, if it's time, it's time. I'm ready. Um, something else I did the day before I, I don't even know why I did this to be honest, but I felt the need to just walk the entire property with some sage and just say prayers and blessings. And I saged, I walked the entire perimeter of our property and went into every room in the house and just continued to pour gratitude um, into the land. And yeah, so that was the day before, very ceremonious. (laughs) And then, um, so I had my my beautiful bath. Um, My partner got up and turns out that we had some interesting things to get done that day, like go get a deep freezer. <laughs> and um, and I, I I remember I messaged the guy and I said, you know, I might be in labor. Like, I don't know if we should do this. And he's and he sent back kind of a nasty message. And he was like, I have everything moved out of the way. Like, if you're not on your way to the hospital, you need to come get it right now. Oh my God. Yeah. What a rude man. <laughs> I was like, okay, but it actually all worked out because Isaiah, my partner, um, I sent him on a mission to like, go get groceries, go get the freezer, go like, you know, do these things just so I I had time to go inward Mm. and just be home alone and just really get my mind right. Um, I'm kind of particular, like I like things a certain way. So I got the space set up, you know, just in case Um, I had everything the way I wanted it. Um, He didn't get back until about 2 p.m. And by then, the surges were still, they were still anywhere from like nine to 20 minutes apart. I mean, we're still in just early labor, but they were definitely taking my full attention and they were a minute long. Um, I needed to have a heating pad. I needed to stop. I needed to breathe. Um, besides just running around the house, doing the things, I didn't really feel the desire to like go for walks or like do too much physical activity. Like I really just wanted to be slow, very close to home. Like that was my call. And so I honored that. Um, Yeah. So once Isaiah got home, he cleaned a little bit, got the groceries put away. Um, I also throughout the day, Um, I just, I napped when I could, I was drinking tons of water. I was eating little bits of food. I let Sarah know, you know, surges were here and they were taking my full attention. Um, but mostly I just napped as much as I could and hydrated and just, you know, moved gently. Um, about three o'clock, I did another little cervical check on myself and I could, I was opening, I don't know. i maybe could have gotten three fingers. I wasn't all about going all the way up in there trying to figure out exactly how dilated I was. I just could tell things were opening and stretching and softening. Well, you're very um, flexible to be able to reach, <laughs> reach yeah. inside and do that. Mm. Yeah. I, I didn't find it difficult at all. Really. Mm, beautiful. It's really yeah. empowering to do that, to check yourself yeah. and no one else. Like you can do that yourself, really. If you have yeah. throughout your pregnancy and before, like know what the cervix feels like. Right. Or to find it, know what, you know, what it feels like. You can do that even like, you know, as a woman throughout your cycle, you'll notice how the cervix come down and goes further off throughout the cycle and the consistency and everything. And it's great. Yeah. It's a great tool to have. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, that would be our method of contraception um, now for me would be to be doing the cervical checks. So there's a lot to it. Um, Definitely recommend women look into that for sure. It is very empowering um, because I continue to do self checks throughout my labor. Um, Yeah, I'll get to that. Do you want a natural birth mama? Then a natural birth course might be for you. Do you see birth as a rite of passage and an important and transformational event that you'd like to feel fully empowered in meeting? Are you like many other women realizing that it is time to take back your power as a birthing woman in the birth space and birth your baby your way? Would you like to feel calm and confident as you birth your baby with all the tools you need in order to meet the labor sensations naturally and be ready body, mind and soul? Do you deeply down know that your body was made to birth your baby and that you have all the inherent power and inner wisdom to do so? Are you looking for holistic midwifery wisdom and guidance to assist you and give you all the evidence-based information you need in order to feel fully sovereign in your decision-making around your pregnancy and upcoming birth? Then the natural birth course is for you. Find out more at thenaturalbirthcourse.com. Let's see. So things are continuing to ramp up though. Um, especially once Isaiah got home and I wasn't just in my own little bubble. Like I had this other person, even though he's my partner, like just having this other person and being witnessed in that way, like it definitely changes things. So he was very helpful though, because I ended up needing counter pressure through every single surge starting around 5 PM. I don't even think baby was posterior, um, but it was just having that pressure, having that person there with me, having the heat really pressed hard onto me throughout the surges was so helpful. Um, Yeah. So about five o'clock, he started following me around the house, (laughs) holding pressure for me. Um, We laid down to try to nap some more, but I just started getting more and more restless. You know, the, the restlessness really um, set in. And as we got closer to evening, um, as the sun was setting, things were definitely really ramping up. Um, a little funny side note. Um, this part isn't exactly funny, but around 27 weeks pregnant, I was having some preterm labor contractions that Mm -hmm. were pretty intense. Um, and my midwife, she gave me some herb and herbal tincture that took it away, which was amazing. Um, but I had that tincture and, um, Isaiah, (laughs) this goes to our mindset of this could take a long time. He goes, you know, maybe you just want to take some of those herbs and calm things down so we can get some sleep tonight. (laughs) I was like, yeah, no, this is happening. (laughs) We're not going to be taking any herbs. Um, yeah. So I remember it was about eight 30. I got on the toilet and I, it just, it got real intense real quick. Like 
nausea. I didn't quite vomit yet, um, but shaky, just really feeling, you know, intensity. So um, I did end up vomiting around like 930 or so, but I don't think I wasn't in transition at that point. It just, things were just really getting intense and I couldn't really find a very comfortable position except for hands and knees and pressure on my back with the heating pad. Like that's just, that's pretty much how I labored the entire time. Um, I started thinking about the birth tub about 10 o'clock, but I kept saying, you know, don't do this prematurely. Like who knows how long this could be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I just kept thinking about it. It was a thought that like, wouldn't go away. So about midnight, like I asked him to fill it around 1130 and about midnight, um, I got in and yeah, that felt amazing. It felt so good, but also things ramped up like really ramped up and they were getting closer together, maybe like five, six minutes apart. I was able to sleep in between at this point, Isaiah got in with me and I was like facing him, hugging him with my knees bent. Um, and then he would just hold pressure every time a surge came. And then I would just like lay my head on his chest and go back to sleep. And then it was right about 1245, this huge pop. <laughs> and it took me just a half a second to realize what happened. But yeah, my water broke. And I mean, the intensity ramped up to what felt like 100. I would soon figure out that that was barely 10, but (laughs) ramped up to about a hundred in my mind at that point. Um, and I just, I felt like fire, like my whole uterus just felt fiery and like my yoni, like everything just felt on fire all of a sudden. Um, and a huge surge instantly had to vomit like big, huge vomit. I told Isaiah, I said, okay, time to call Sarah, get her here. Time to call Sarah. And, um, (laughs) I mean, I still had like my wits about me though, because I saw my mucus plug then floating in the water. I grabbed it. (laughs) I put it on a piece of tissue. I took a picture of it. (laughs) I texted my group of of sisters, my group of friends that were, um, standing by to, you know, pray for me and hold, hold a container for me. I texted them. I said, my water broke game time, like pray now. Um, yeah, but yeah, definitely. After my water broke, things really, really, really sped up. And um, and that's, of course, when time starts to get fuzzy and and trippy, you know, like falling asleep in between, just having like wild dreams and thoughts. Um, I had all of the thoughts, you know, the like, oh my God, can I do this? I don't know. This is so hard. Like, this is crazy. I feel like I'm drowning, you know? And then I would pull from that toolbox from all of the women stories that I heard, you know, I would say, yes, yes, yes. I can, I can, I can. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like I would just turn whatever thought I had like around. Um, And yeah, and I just kept saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. And, um, and I remember thinking like, there's no way I could get in a car, even if it were an ambulance, like there's absolutely no way that I could transfer anywhere. Like we're doing this, we're getting through this, it's happening. Um, so, and, you know, also I had this beautiful playlist of songs that I thought I would play. I didn't play music one time. I listened to affirmations 
um, early on, but I wanted silence. Mm. I like, I needed my nervous system to be like undisturbed. And that was my whole goal was to have the least disturbance as possible. And that's what Sarah's instructions were like least disturbance possible. Just like let my hormonal cascade, the divine chemistry is what I kept calling it. Like, let that do its thing. I trust in that. And yeah, I mean, it's very important to not disturb that because of the, the intensity of it all. So Sarah and her assistant didn't get there until about 2.30. So between, you know, one o'clock and 2.30, I was in transition. I was, you know, very active labor. Um, Don't really have a ton of memory. I do. I was cognizant though. Like I was very, I was present as well as not there because I did another cervical check. And at this time, I could feel his head up in there. I could feel a lip and like, I kind of got into my head a little bit about it only because I'm, I mean, I'm not an L and D nurse, but I've definitely researched and learned about cervical lips and how you don't want to push against them. They could swell, but also I've heard like, it's going to move out of the way. Like that's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I can't even tell you. I actually literally had another conversation earlier today with another woman about this anterior lip business. And like, I've had so many just in the last month coming on. So I don't know how many episodes going to be where I go like, (laughs) no, it's not true. Stop listening to, to this narrative. So again, you know, and anyone listening you know repetition is only good to hear things over and over again but yes this okay just listen to this the whole thing about the anterior lip or like not pushing against it comes from actually having a swollen lip as a woman who's been on her back with an Mm. epidural pushing Mm. for a long time on that Mm. that is where they saw that happening not and I want to repeat not on a woman who's following the physiology of birth Mm -hmm. Well, that is exactly what I was doing. I never pushed one time manually. I will just say that right now. Mm-hmm. Never one time did I push manually. And up until then, I was only having um, other, you know, the active labor contractions, not the fetal ejection reflex. So I felt that lip though, and I could feel his precious little head and I could just, I could feel everything opening. So the midwife got there and um, it was insanely disturbing to have two people come into the space. And I will say, I wanted them there. I asked them to be there. We talked it all out ahead of time and I'm so grateful for them. But the reality is it was so disturbing. Just the little bit of noise, just them asking very reasonable questions, just like offering me food and water. And, you know, it was all so reasonable, but my goodness, was it disturbing? Um, Yeah. Like, next birth, if I get pregnant again, I, what I want is just to have a wise woman sit in the Mm. room. If I want her in the room, just Mm. quietly sit and watch. And if I ask for help or if I need help, I like, I'm, I'm going to ask for help if I need help. If I don't, you know, like leave me alone. That's all I wanted was just for someone to sit and watch and be there just in case, you know, But, you know, they came in, they wanted to get my vitals. They wanted to listen to the fetal heart tones. Um, They wanted to know how much I had ate and drank. And, 
you know, this and that, which again, reasonable, but I was like in no state for answering questions. <laughs> I let them get my vitals. I did let them listen um, only twice. Um, all was well. I had no intuition that anything was wrong, except for a little bit in my head about the lip. Um, I let her know that I had felt a little lip. And she said, you know, well, you don't really want to push against that. Um, if you want, like, I can check you, maybe move it out of the way. And I remember just thinking, like, there's no way that. I, there's no way that that's going to happen. Like I, I'm either in the middle of a tsunami or I am like attempting to recover from one before another one comes. Like, I just need to be left alone. I'm going to work this out. Um, yeah. So then she asks, have you felt pushy at all? And I, my answer was no, but literally the very next surge, there was a little uh, at the top, you know, <laughs> And after that, it just grew and grew and grew every single surge. Oh my God, those pushing contractions are so wild. Oh my God. It is just, it is like mother nature, like a storm. I don't even, there aren't even words. It's like, I felt so much like fire and lightning and like earthquake and shaking and squeezing and just, wow, like intense, man. <laughs> so yeah, so they started. Um, and again, time for me at this point, I thought it may have be had been 30 minutes, but they told me I was in the pushing contractions. He was born at 453. Um, and the pushing contractions started just before three o'clock. So I was in that pushing phase for some time. Mm. Um but Which what is I, so normal, like natural, you know, especially for a first time mama, that's like, right. Absolutely normal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I don't see, so this, this is what I came to. This is, this was my realization was as things were progressing um, and these, these tsunamis were just like coming at me. Like, I know I attempted to hold off on a couple when I got in my head about um, the lip a little bit there was no holding back. There was no stopping them. And if I tried, like just even tried the next one would be twice as intense. Mm -hmm. Or if I got like a little bit of a relief, the next one would be twice as strong, like twice as long. This is why it's, it's so detrimental when midwives or doctors, whatever say to a woman, don't push. Yeah. It's the most unlogical, like, idiotic yeah. thing you can't ever tell a birthing woman like that force of nature is there no one's stopping that you can no. try and hold back but it's going to hurt more it's going to be yeah it's going to do it's going to do the opposite you might prolong yeah. it because you're you know counteracting yeah. it like just let it come through you trust that yes. lip will move out of the way and it did <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So because I was in that pushing for a little bit um, and I, the position I, the only position that I could be in was on my knees, holding onto the side of the tub, just like literally for dear life, just like holding on the surge would move through me. I would sort of sit back and relax just a little bit, or just like lay my head over the tub or, you know, whatever, continuing to need pressure from my partner in between surges and during surges. So he worked out very hard too. Um, but my midwife really was trying to recommend that I 
get up and walk the stairs or get on the toilet, which is totally reasonable, right? But I mean, I thought to myself, she, this is this woman psychotic. I told her this afterwards too. I was like, I thought you were psychotic because like the analogy is I'm holding on by my fingernails and you want me to like get up and like perform a dance or something. I was like, there's no way I'm moving from this tub. No, <laughs> I didn't do anything she asked me to do at all. Um, so once they finally like stopped asking me to get up out of the tub, um, the pushing contractions continued. And I remember saying to Isaiah, like, I just, I just need a minute. I just, I need a break. I just, I need a minute. And so much happened in that moment. Like I doubt it was more than two minutes because I didn't really get a break, but I realized finally for the first time, actually, that I was about to give birth, that there was it was about, this was reality. This was going to happen. A child was going to be passing through me. It's almost like I hadn't quite embodied that reality yet. And I was just, I was in it for the long haul. Like, I'm just like in this like storm. I'm in this, you know, this thing that's happening, this wild intensity. But the reality is I'm about to give birth. And like, I had to embody that before I could finish up this, like with the pushing contractions. And I felt his little head there starting to come out and my desire. And I told Sarah and I told Isaiah, like, I will be birthing my own baby. I don't even want anyone else in the room, but Isaiah, I, I just, I want it to be me, Isaiah, this baby. I don't want any gloved hands touching him. I don't want anybody, but me, if I can't catch Isaiah will catch if Isaiah can't, then, you know, we'll be so happy to have Sarah's help, but that's how it's going to be. So the time came and like, finally, like I realized, oh my God, this is about to end. Like there's an end in sight, like there he is. So this was like a huge moment, <laughs> but it only lasted a second, right? So there's this little head. And I told Isaiah, I said, Isaiah, no one comes in. We were in my, our bathroom. It's fairly decent sized bathroom, but it's not a very big bathroom. So we close the doors. Um, I'm in the tub, in the birthing tub. And, um, and I felt another surge came and the ring of fire started. And I mean, I was, I was delighted. I was excited. I was like, oh my God, it's here. Like I felt so empowered and calm and like all the stories I've heard, all the research I'd done. Like I just, I was so ready for this moment. And I felt him rotate and I thought to myself, wow, like next push, he's probably coming out. Well, next push was actually the ring of fire. <laughs> that was the pinnacle of, oh my God, he's not going to fit. <laughs> like, he's not going to fit. <laughs> and I tried to slow everything down, you know, little tiny breaths just happen naturally. Um, doing some little counter pressure, perineal counter pressure, just gently, just, and then I just, you know, I, I just said, F it. Like he's, you just got to let it go, you know? So next surge out came his head. What a relief. Oh my God. And then just standing there, I had one leg up, one leg down, sort of like a half squat position. And the next surge out, he flew into the water. I snatched him up like lightning. I mean, I've never moved quicker in my life. It was just so instinctual. I just, I snatched him up and I pulled him up to my chest. He 
gave a good cry instantly. He was pink. I knew he was perfect. I knew nothing was wrong with him. I did check to see no cord was wrapped anywhere. I didn't need to untangle anything. It was just absolutely magical and perfect. And Isaiah was there. The midwife kind of snuck in very quietly, gave me a blanket, listened to his little heart and lungs, but all was absolutely perfect. I mean, my greatest fears were bleeding to death or him being floppy and white when he came out, right? Yeah, which is so natural fears to have. Yeah, and nothing. It was perfect. Absolutely perfect. Um, I ended up being in the tub. I was in the tub for five hours, so... Did you refill warm water? (laughs) Well, I mean, I was pouring sweat, so I didn't want the water to be warmer. But of course, the midwife and Isaiah, they were like, it needs to be warmer for the baby. So they put some warm water in, which then I just was sweating even more. Um, But you still wanted to stay in there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, so once I gave birth, though, I was pretty much ready to get out of the tub almost immediately. Um, about 15 or 20 minutes did pass with me just being in the water, holding the baby. I did allow them to put a hat on him because it was just a little cooler than it probably could have been. Um, and a blanket, but yeah, I said, you know, I'm ready to get out. Let's, let's see if this placenta is ready to go. Um, I don't necessarily, I didn't have any like major afterbirth pains. I felt like maybe like a little cramp, nothing crazy. Um, but after all that time, I just, I stood up jumped over the top of the tub, squatted over a bowl, and the placenta was partially out. Um, the midwife offered to to get it for me. I said, no, I'll get him. And uh, I guided her out into the bowl, and, um, and then we crawled into bed. It was precious. Um, it was at that time, though, that we realized that my placenta, or uh, my baby's placenta, was a very unusual placenta. Um, it actually, it's called a velamentous insertion. It's where the, um, the vessels, the three vessels, sometimes it, they actually only have two vessels in this instance, but we found that he had three. Um, it comes in, I have, this is actually a print of my placenta behind me here, but um, the cord didn't come into the center of the placenta. It goes into the side and it was completely unprotected by amniotic sac. Like it, this whole, like the white, part that you can see there that was only amniotic sac there was no placenta that actually formed right there um so like that that would have been a very high risk situation um in some instances um you know absolutely so i could have yeah with that kind of cord that um is so unprotected by the wharton's jelly which is in the in the um, cord that protects the vessels that's then exposed and so had you been for example in a hospital or had someone done active management on you where they actually pulled on the cord there's a higher risk with those placentas to actually snap the cord right which could mm-hmm. increase the risk then obviously of bleeding and mm-hmm. it could be very much an emergency for you yeah. and your baby too but not as much as for you I feel, um, I feel now looking back the amount of rest that this pregnancy demanded of me. Cause like, I'm a very active person. I love to rock climb. I love to weight lift. Like I'm, I'm just on the go, very active physical person. 
but I like was commanded to lay down so much throughout this pregnancy. And I just, I feel that this had something to do with it. I really do. Mm. I feel that I was to be resting because this, it could have been even intrauterine, in, 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 uh, help me out there. Intra- <laughs> in with the baby. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. With the baby, like things could have gone bad. So all was well. He was super healthy, seven pounds, three ounces, 21 inches. I mean, you know, as healthy as could be. He tried to latch right away. We did end up having some breast trouble, um, breastfeeding trouble, ended up needing to have a nipple shield just because the engorgement, um, my nips didn't protrude quite, quite enough. And he ended up with a little lip and a tongue tie. Mm, all the things at once. Yeah. So thankfully, like I'm very grateful for the nipple shield. He he's 12 pounds now. He's only seven weeks old. He's already 12 pounds. Um, and we're, we're off the nipple shield. He's now latching. We did get um, the lip and tongue lasered. It was very traumatic for both me and him. I don't know how I feel about recommending that to people. I would just say, follow your own intuition on mm. that. Um, I found it to be quite traumatic especially just at 10 days of life. I don't know. My whole, like everything that I did was for him to have that smooth transition from being in my womb to being out into the world. And he had this beautiful, precious, slow transition. And, you know, he calmed down right away. Like he left off that one cry and then he just was like, so relaxed and just like looking at us. Um, And that was my goal. But then to like do something that's traumatic, like lasering a lip or a tongue tie just 10 days later, I don't know. That's just Mm. personally how I feel. It is what it is. It's done and he's latching Mm. well, which is great. Yeah. But um, I just wanted to kind of put that in there too. Yeah. It's just like you say, you know, it's about listening to your own intuition and each each baby and mama situation is going to be so different. So yeah, listening to your own inner guidance there. And exactly. For some, it's, you know, it's really essential to have that breastfeeding work. And yeah. for some, you can work on other ways to release right. it or, or, you know, get a good breastfeeding. But yeah, it's like so individualized, isn't it? Like what yeah. you need and your baby needs. Yeah. Yeah. But um. Again, so, you know, after we got into bed, the midwives, they had the things they needed to do. You know, they wanted to check them over. Um, they cooked us some food. I, I, again, was grateful for them. But also, looking back, you know, if I were to do it again, I probably, like, less is more. Like, it still felt disturbing just to have people coming in and out. And we were so exhausted. And, yeah, Um they wanted, they, they, you know, the cord was pulseless. It was an hour later. It was white. It was definitely like, okay to cut it. I just had it in my mind though, that we were going to wait hours before cutting the cord, but they were like ready to cut the cord. They wanted to get some cord blood. I was going to let them send it off to get his blood type and check for the MTHFR gene and some other things. Um, So they like wanted to get their tasks done. (laughs) They wanted to cut it. So I said, well, I need to get some pictures of baby with his advocate, you know, and I need to ask him if he's ready to be separated. And so we did all that. We took some pictures of him with his placenta. And then I, 
I asked him if he was ready and he actually did. He took this big, deep breath and let it out. And it just felt like the right time. Um, I let Isaiah cut the cord, took a little video. And then, yeah, we curled up and we slept until about 1230. And when we woke up, we had this precious little baby. (laughs) Emily, thank you so much for sharing your amazing birth story. Um, So many pearls of wisdom in there. And now, you know, if you had a first time mom in front of you right now, who's about to have her first baby and she really wants to have a natural and empowering birth experience, what advice and pearls of wisdom would you give to her? Mm. I would tell her to close her eyes and put one hand on her tummy and one hand on her chest and to take several deep breaths and just to ask herself what it is she feels she needs. And if we are fully trusting in ourselves, if we are taking full responsibility for how we show up, if we are taking responsibility, then we are not going to be making any wrong decisions. There are no wrong decisions once we are taking full responsibility. So whatever it is that makes that mama feel safe, that makes that mama feel cared for, heard, seen, whatever it is that she needs, there's no right or wrong as long as she's taking full responsibility and feels that she is fully informed. And, you know, that to me, uh, like I could go on forever, but if you're taking responsibility, if you feel safe, you're good to go. If you've gotten past that and you learn ways to regulate your nervous system and to set healthy boundaries, you're going to find that pregnancy, labor, postpartum is so much smoother. Um, Our babies are a part of our nervous system for possibly ever, but at least like the first two years. So Mm -hmm. when we find ways to take care of our nervous system regulation, Mm. whether we're pregnant, whether we're in labor or, you know, immediately postpartum, your baby's going to be happier. You're going to be happier. So I'll just leave it at that. Wow. I got chills all the way up my spine. (laughs) Yes. Regulating your own nervous system. Like you regulate your baby by you regulating yourself first and to actually have those tools before you even have a baby. Yes. Yeah. Will serve that baby. Mm -hmm. You'll be the best mom being able to have that in your toolkit. So yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. That's a super mm-hmm. golden nugget for everyone listening. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your birth stories. It's an absolute pleasure. Yes, yeah. absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Anna. I so appreciate you so, 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 so much. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you love this podcast, then please consider sharing it. Leave a review or make a contribution on our Patreon page. And if you want to connect on social media, then find the podcast on Instagram as The Natural Birth Podcast. Thank you for listening.